uh, I'm Serena Weiwu. I graduated from a Singapore JC, and I did A levels, uh, like the rest of you. And I applied overseas for my university, uh, because I really wanted an overseas education. Yeah, so I think there's definitely a lot of difficulties, like applying from uh, the Singaporean system to the mm. like to the international system. And the Singapore degree, like even though it is very competitive, it may not be recognized by everyone in the world. So I'm glad that Vingtrun has this initiative initiative to support everyone uh, listening to this podcast. Yeah, to minimize the troubles and the uh, and the misunderstandings you are faced along the way. Yeah. So. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming on to this podcast as well mm-hmm. today to kind of share your experience. So I think um to start off with, right? I think the the kind of Interesting, like re- a really interesting thing that I think most of our audience might have noticed by now is you are taking history and computer science, which is quite an mm. unorthodox like combination. But actually, like an even funnier fact, or mm. even more interesting fact, is that you used to take history and archaeology, right? So maybe you can tell mm. us a bit more about that and how you changed your major. Okay, so I'll start with uh history and archaeology. Yeah, so when I applied to the U.S. University, I had to apply through the Common App application, which most of you might already know. Yeah, uh, the majors that, that I declared as my intended majors were history and archaeology. Yeah, so I think back then to me, archaeology uh, was something that sounded very fun to me. Yeah, and at the same time, uh, I was really into history because I took three history and I realized that uh, college-style research-based history is really my cup of tea. Yeah, so another uh, another factor that I considered uh, was that applying to a more like niche and not so conventional major actually helps your application because you're not in an applicant pool that is like super competitive. Yeah, like for example, finance for NYU or computer science for CMU. Yeah, so those mm-hmm. are really like the, the hard majors that a lot of like qualified overqualified candidates are applying for yeah so yeah, yeah. i wanted to be street smart and not go for the highly competitive track yeah so that's the rationale behind uh, the archaeology and history yeah so as i entered college i realized that you don't actually have to like declare a major in order to learn something learn something about that subject yeah so i didn't like end up as an archaeology major but i still took uh, several archaeology courses yeah, and I think that it's actually better that way because majors are very time-consuming uh, and very effort-intensive. Yeah, uh, usually people take majors that they are uh, that they want to pursue for their careers or if mm. they want to pursue a graduate studies in it. Yeah, so for archaeology, I think it's more of a personal uh, hobby. Yeah, instead of like a, a career interest. Yeah, so in the end, I didn't go with archaeology. Yeah, but I went with history. Yeah, because it's something that I have been sure about for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so computer science. So at first, I think I was actually quite against the idea of computer science because a lot of students are taking it. Yeah, in, I think in my level and also maybe the general yeah, the general clim- climate Yeah, is that a lot of people are taking computer science. Yeah, so... At first, I didn't want to take computer science just because people are taking it. Yeah, just because it's allegedly easier to find a job with computer science. Yeah, but as my friend, you know, when they talk about their courses, when they talk about like computer science, I actually began to realize that computer science might be fun. 
Yeah. So under the influence and the persuasion of my, uh, some of my friends, yeah, I went to try out the basic course, yeah, for computer science. And I think that course in particular actually interested me a lot. Yeah, because it really focused a lot on the application side instead of the theoretical side, uh, theoretical side of computer science. So I think this also has to do with your school, like the style of computer science they teach and the focus they take on. So for me, I study computer science with the engineering department. Well, the engineering department is where they really place the emphasis on engineering instead of like computer science. So I get to do a lot of like hands-on projects, like I'm programming like useful programs. Yeah, instead of studying like theories all the time. Yeah, like even though uh, I will eventually get to the more theoretical side of things, but I think the whole beginning of it is really very fun and like application focused. I realized that I enjoy it a lot. And also the plus side is that it does helps with your applications, like career application, no matter if you're applying to like uh, tech industry or if you're trying to break into finance industry yeah having a computer science degree in fact is indeed quite useful in terms of uh, getting a resume to kind of uh, stand out uh, mm -hmm. yeah because people wouldn't just perceive you as you know a humanity student who doesn't know math and science or as someone who's completely like not in touch with like modern technology yeah so mm -hmm. I think having that computer science computer science on your resume is still kind of useful, but definitely more importantly is uh, how you actually benefit from the subject itself, whether you enjoy it, whether it can uh, you know, act as an intellectual, uh, intellectual challenge for yourself. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I think for me, it's a good balance of both, which is why I decided to continue pursuing com computer science. Which is like quite interesting, you know, because right, both the engineering side of things and like the humanity side of things, the best mm -hmm. of both worlds basically. And I think what you mentioned was uh, can be quite interesting for some of our audience here today because I I'm sure many of us have heard of, you know, applying to majors that are easier to get in in order to, to get into those schools that they really want to. But at the same time, it kind of introduces like, I guess, a different complication, which is like, how do you frame your um, application around that major that you actually do not like will not be take, taking in the future? Like how did you frame that your application in that way? Okay, I think it's definitely very difficult to completely lie about your passions or interests. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, like if you're someone who, who completely doesn't know what's history and archaeology and you're trying to package yourself, uh, well, it's definitely going to be hard. Yeah, and most likely, uh, like people can see through, <laughs> yeah, like mm -hmm. what you're playing at. Yeah, so I think my recommendation is like, like try to act smart yeah but do not like mm -hmm. uh, do mm -hmm. not uh like lie to yourself yeah basically be honest with yourself but i think one thing to bear in mind is that like a u.s college is really different from the colleges in asia and the uk system in the sense that you don't actually have to commit to anything until like mid undergraduate like maybe sophomore or like junior year for example, if you're like super interested in like business, but you know that business is highly competitive, so you didn't apply with business. I mean, you don't have to worry about you know, not being able to switch back to business or whatsoever. I think for the application part, yeah, just try to balance your personal voice and also street smartness. And then in terms of uh, college, just keep an open mind. Yeah, because you'll never know what you end up pursuing. Yeah, for all you know, you may be like me, 
you know, at first very resistant against the idea of computer science, and then realized that it's actually you know meaningful, not just in a utilitarian way. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. and I guess a kind of a follow up question to that, right, will be your essays. I I know you know for some schools some of their essays will be like really digging into why you want to apply to a particular major. And then, you know, for some people who want to try to apply by using an easier major, right, it, it can get, get kind of like tough to write those essays. But what about like your current university? Like what was what were the essay questions that they asked? And could you okay. maybe like share with us what like how you tackled those essays? I think most of the essays will ask about like your academic interest. So it's impossible to dodge away from this kind of thing. That's true. And also, I think that's actually like one rule that's most important for writing this kind of essay is that you need to show a very good understanding of the subject itself. And I think mm. that this part actually has, doesn't really have you know, that definitive relationship with passion. Someone who's completely unpassionate is capable of writing a good essay if you actually understand like the intellectual aspect, you understand the methodologies, uh, the aims and the study, the literatures of that uh, subject very well. So I remember mm-hmm. that I have known students who, who started their essays uh, without knowing what they actually like. Yeah, so it's like, mm-hmm. to be honest, they just don't, don't know what to write. Yeah, like for any subject, they will just sound like they're not interested. Mm-hmm. However, they did a lot of research on like what to write for their essays. Yeah, they actually dig very deep uh, deep into the subject itself. Yeah, instead of just mm-hmm. writing the essay. So I think that helped their essay a lot because at least the admission officer knows that this is a student who has a very decent understanding of the subject itself. To be honest, I think that passion is like quite arbitrary in the sense that you can't really you know, judge whether someone is qualified for a certain school or certain major just by the passion of it. Yeah, like it's totally mm-hmm. possible for a passionate person to write a very crappy essay. <laughs> yeah. That is so, true, yeah. Yeah, so I think coming from like this very Singaporean, it was an Asian value. I mean, hard work <laughs> is very important. <laughs> yeah, and it definitely rings true for your application essay. The amount of effort that you put in, not just in the short term, but in the long term, academically, in the subject that you want to pursue, yeah, is very important. And it, it will definitely kind of just shine through for your application. Yeah, so don't worry about not having like passion or not having a focus in life. I mean, those are like bigger life problems to figure out. Those are not application uh, problems. That's actually a very interesting perspective because, you know, um, I've talked to quite a number of people um, in the previous podcast and I think most of them had quite a firm sense of what they were going to study. So it was kind of easier for them to tackle the application, so to speak. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's really interesting to get about the perspective from, like, the other side of things, you know. I've also spoken to someone who um, just simply, basically, just applied undeclared. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they, they decided their majors after going onto campus. But your perspective is rather interesting, which is you applied to, an, like, a relatively easier major to get in and then switching majors afterwards, which is, you know, something that our audience may want to consider. Well, but... to be honest, I think... It might sound you know, a bit like you're just mm-hmm. tricking the system. Yeah, but I think it's really just that this college experience in US is really like a chance for you to explore. So you don't have mm-hmm. to commit yourself to anything. In fact, like changing majors is very common, even for 
like those who are very firm about like what they want to study in the future. Yeah, because I think that for lots of high schoolers, our understanding of this world is really limited. For example, I myself went through a lot of changes in like the half gap year that I took after college, uh, after JC. I realized that everything is like so much more complicated than I think. Uh, AKA, I used to think that, you know, like law is a good profession. I mean, medicine is a good profession. And then yeah. I realized that there's actually like much more to that. Like you don't just become a good lawyer by taking an undergrad degree. You actually have to have a lot of other skills that doesn't really come from school and potentially come from other majors like political philosophy and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think we shouldn't let ourselves, like, you know, our choices uh, be constrained by the kind of experience that we have at this moment. Yeah, we need to mm -hmm. save this room for like possible change, uncertain in the future. Just be open and going to college with an open mind. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that is what applicants should keep in mind now when they yeah. try to think about the major issue. Yeah, I think that's, I think you raised quite a, I guess, poignant point because that is kind of like the distinctive difference between the US and UK system, right? Because the US kind of embraces uncertainty and embraces the fact that, you know, at 18 years old, most of the students don't really know what they want to do in the future anyways, right? So they allow you to have that flexibility to choose your majors, to change your majors. And that can be something that interests some of our audience here today. Like if you don't really know what to do in the future, uh, you have a certain uncertainty. I guess the US system can be, you know, quite a good place to be. And I guess moving on from that topic, right, um, into something a bit, related to student life like how is the Singaporean community like in uh, Washington University okay uh, I think that uh, the Singaporean community is very small but I like it because uh, I think everyone is like close-knitted and mm. I think for Washington University in particular I mean this might not be entirely positive but the Singaporean students they tend to come from very similar backgrounds because mm. I think as many of you might already know WashU is actually very selective in terms of their admissions in Asia. They rarely accept students that's outside of their target schools. So when I went to WashU and expectedly the whole like Singaporean Student Association, I mean, almost mm -hmm. half were from like uh, Raffles, the other half from Huachong, and then the others from <laughs> VJC. Yeah, like uh -huh. I was the only one from my JC. Yeah, well, my JC mm -hmm. is a new JC. I came from Unoya, so it's like the first batch. It's impossible to have like, yeah, schoolmates in WashU. So going back to like this lack of diversity, yeah, I think on one side it's like not entirely positive in the sense that I could have met a more diverse like population of Singaporean students, perhaps in the UK mm -hmm. university, given that many Singaporean students, they choose to go to UK. So for WashU, it's really a very small group with similar backgrounds. But what, what the positive side of this is that uh, we have a lot in common. Yeah, so it's very easy to talk. You know, like everyone is, uh, I would say that the Singaporean kids in Washu, they are all very academically competent. Yeah, like I personally <laughs> yeah. look up to them a lot. Yeah, like mm -hmm. they have very high GPAs and they have very like uh, great methods of studying and they are very willing to share with others. Yeah, so I really appreciate that part of the Singaporean community uh, at WashU. So um, do you hang out with Singaporeans quite a bit or, you know, do you like really actively try to branch out to, you know, communicate with people from different countries and kind of expand your horizons? 
Yeah, I think given that there's like so few like Singaporean students in Washu, yeah, it's impossible to like live like school life just by hanging out with Singaporeans alone. I think it's actually like a good experience navigating the two circles because like I have a lot of friends from other backgrounds, like American friends and also friends from mainland China. But somehow I find myself always going back to like this very small Singaporean community. Yeah, just because mm-hmm. Of, of how like how much how much similarities that we share for example you know Singaporeans they tend to be casual yeah and I think that they are casual all the way to college and it's nothing yeah. that it's nothing to be ashamed about like personally I find it like more normal to talk about academics and grades with my Singaporean friends in a mm-hmm. constructive and nurturing way but I don't really talk about this with like American friends or Chinese friends it just seems that yeah it's like really a Singaporean thing I'm not saying that academics <laughs> is everything but definitely yeah. when you go to college we'll realize that there are certain things that you just want to say to a particular group of people so I think that is completely fine like don't feel sorry about it yeah it's natural yeah you're not clicking yeah that's fine <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I guess moving on from that, right? Like apart from community and student life in uh, WashU, how is the kind of academic rigor like, or like you know the types of courses that you're choosing, like how how was that experience like for you? Okay, I think for WashU, it's actually very complicated. Yeah, to talk about whether the courses are rigorous. Okay, I think the thing with like US private university is that uh they they really emphasize that they place, place a lot of emphasis on personal agency on like how much you want to like do for your academics mm-hmm. so at washu there are courses that are like super easy like you you get mcq questions like for almost all your exams yeah, yeah. but there are also courses that are like super super hard yeah that really challenge you intellectually to the point that your brain just you know <laughs> cannot cannot operate on a higher order anymore yeah so i personally appreciate this style of learning yeah because you get to make Mm -hmm. a lot of choice like how you want to study and also how you want to manage your time yeah Mm -hmm. so for example during the semesters that i'm like super busy like for example if i have an external competition or if i have an external like thing to do yeah i will choose courses that are relatively easier in the sense that I spend less time and brain power and thinking about them and then during the semesters that I'm like fully ready to just immerse in academics yeah I will choose courses that requires a lot of like quiet time to study yeah to think yeah so I really enjoy this flexibility and I also like like the fact that everyone around me are very motivated learners yeah I think in Singapore I actually didn't get such a strong sense of this like independent learning yeah because there's Mm -hmm. like so many deadlines so much things to do in jc yeah everyone like has to work hard yeah otherwise otherwise you are like you'll get s you'll get w for your exams yeah so for the us they don't really have that like no one will you know go after you for not being able to do well in exam yeah a lot of things like you have to take control yeah of your own life Mm -hmm. and the, the grades that you want to obtain yeah so i realized that my american peers like contrary to popular belief, they are actually very impressive learners. Mm-hmm. Like they really plan their time very well because they genuinely want to, not because they have a deadline in front of them. And they are very, uh, how to say, disciplined in the sense that if they are really interested to uh, perhaps find out about a certain academic topic, they will really do the readings diligently yeah, without anyone like watching after them. 
yeah, I think this point is actually interesting because I realized that the Asian students, like who come from the very exam-driven system, they tend to like ,耍小聪明. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they tend to like <laughs> just you know like play smart. Yeah, like this reading is not tested anyway. I will not read it. <laughs> I mean, the the end result that everyone gets is definitely the same. Yeah, because Asian students are definitely exam smart, but the kind of learning you get out of the, out of it is very different. If you'd like to hear more of these stories. Be sure to stay tuned to our future episodes of Unity. And if you'd like to connect with more seniors and learn more about all things related to studying overseas, do feel free to join our UniBridge community on Telegram. You can find the link to our Telegram group on our Instagram page at unibridge underscore SG. So be sure to give us a follow. We'll see you guys in the next episode of our podcast. Bye. Bye.